Hello everyone, this is Tribecastre, an independent podcast about startup life working in a close cooperation with Tribe Dumper startup community. And my name is Marina. We are continuing Tribecast Summer Tour, therefore let me present to you Pori episode. This week you'll hear the interviews with entrepreneurs Harry Ketamo, Timo Kuro, Harry Sominen, and community managers of Crazy Town Pori, Kati Fager and Petri Linna. This is Tribecast Summer Tour, and let's explore Pori startup ecosystem together. When the amazing people of Crazy Town Pori recommended me to talk to him, I had a bit of concern because I'm a really sound person. And when someone says to me that visuals are important, I'm like, really, seriously, why? But still, you were recommended as one of the most interesting startups of uh, Pori. So, hello, Timo. Thank you very much for having time for this interview. And please tell us a few things about yourself before you start to confirm me that visuals are important. <laughs> so, I'm Timo Gura, and I have a company called uh, UC40, Unlimited Creations. And mm-hmm. uh, I started, you know, like, I was at school learning industrial design originally and, and, and graduated as an industrial designer. After that, I, I didn't find a lot of open jobs There weren't, you know, like design offices that had, you know, like free places. So I decided to start my own company because my, my dad has always been an entrepreneur. Uh, he's a phot- photographer, so visuals were all, all already, you know, like important to me. I like drawing and 3D stuff, and the industrial design class was mainly focused on 3D modeling right. and and CAD design and so on. So... And so, but that that wasn't, you know, like paying too much. They they didn't want to pay a lot of blood from, you know, like right. just to making web pages. So I, I, because we had learned a lot of these uh, three different 3D programs, they were all were already, you know, like I could do really cool pictures of products. But uh, I, I started moving on to animation from there because I, the, you know, like if you have a product, it picture is not telling you that much it's just you know like a cool picture but if when, once you get it moving and, and you get you know like immersive view of the product i really like to show stuff moving and not just you know like still images so and then that was you know like people weren't you know like doing that much animation then the tools weren't that good because it was like over 10 years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> so I started doing those. Then my dad, who was a photographer, I told him that uh, he should do video because they need a visual presentation of the actual product and not just a 3D model. If it's, you know, like a product that's already made, it's better to have the actual product and maybe present some aspect of it in 3D that can't be catched in film. Like if we have a, a copper melting pot <laughs> you can't actually show what's happening inside of the pot when it's melting the copper so that's done in 3d animation and so we combined the you know like the video that's presenting like factories uh-huh. and and so on and then we show what can't be filmed in in 3d that's what the companies actually really need Then after that, I started the rendering stuff. Was Back then, it was really a slow process because 
I didn't have infinite amount of money to buy huge computers that can process the animations like Pixar or something. I just used a couple of computers to render those. And after, it it was like, uh, I can't remember, it was like three or four years ago, Unreal Engine became uh, free to use. Mm -hmm. So, and the, the visuals already at that point were quite amazing on, you know, like, real-time graphics. It was. I thought that why would I use physically-based rendering that takes a lot of time and just fake it if it, you, <laughs> it looks almost the same. So I started using Unreal Engine and real-time graphics, and, and I could expand on not just showing animation, but also, you know, like doing it in real time so you could move move while the animation is playing you could you know like have a different point of view or something that, that was you know like the next step on that thing and and now i decided to develop a basis on uh, on top of unreal engine where we can have animation a vr experience and everything just by you know like putting in in the product and it's already capable of doing everything you need so now, if we have a product, we can just put it in, code the actual, you know, like what is... Measurements? Well, we can have the actual 3D model from the client usually because mm-hmm. they, they're using the 3D model for uh, actually doing the molds or anything. They, re- they mm-hmm. already need a really high detail model usually. But if there's like flaps opening or, or we need to see inside, that needs to be, you know, like adjusted to the model and... After that is done, we can already have a, a virtual experience from the product. And now we're moving forward to, like, we could have education. Uh, people can learn to use the actual product because if it's already there, we have the animations that can be used for marketing. We could just do a couple of things over on top of it, and then we have a working model that, for example, if you have a, a factory. Mm-hmm. It's not even built. We have already the, the 3D model. We can send people inside the virtual model before the actual structure is even built. We, we, they don't have the, the factory ready. They're building it, but we have the 3D model so people can learn how to operate inside the factory. And when once the actual building is done, they already know what to do and they know where the, all the safety measures are and, and saving money. It's, right, that's, yeah. that's a little bit like a hologram. Yeah. What's the difference between a hologram, a hologram is like model? Usually it's like light and, and how the, you have different kind of holograms. It's, people use the word hologram as like... Microsoft. I don't know if you have seen Microsoft's uh, this uh, Hololens. They're mm-hmm. using the word like holo- hologram or something, mm-hmm. even if it's like it's uh, light drawing the image on uh, a tilted plane that's in front of your eyes, and then you see through it. And they use the word hologram on it, but it's the actual the holograms are like like you can have a 2D picture you know the like the old uh-huh. old holograms so that's a bit different it's not quite a, a hologram it's like VR is you're uh, closed inside the actual 3D world and then you have AR which is augmented reality that uses this like like Microsoft's uh, HoloLens they use 
they draw 3D stuff on top of the real world. We both wear glasses. So yeah, it's, so it's it, like, it's, it was like, we both wear glasses. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, let, yeah. let's talk so, about glasses. That's something I understand. Yeah. yeah. So if you, you, know, you know, like Google is doing Google Glass, mm-hmm. they have this, you know, like little thing that shows stuff on, on the edge of your view. They're representing stuff there. But once you get uh, your, you know, like you have normal glasses and you can project... 3D stuff into our eyesight, then it becomes you know like better because you can, for example, show a 3D model of of a factory on the top of our you know like table, mm-hmm. and turn it around, and everyone can see with the glasses, and then st- they still can you know like see each other, and and uh, you don't lose the contact on your customer. Okay. Okay. That's the future, and that's uh, that's part of you know like why I started using game engines because they're. Uh, game in the industry itself is developing faster than anything at the moment because movie industry is not even close anymore. Game industry is, is way ahead of everything. And then because so many people are using games for different stuff, then mm-hmm. if you're developing a new product, for, let's say like AR glasses or VR glasses, you of course you want to use it in gaming industry because you have so many people testing it out and you can you know like fine tune the product because you have uh, masses of people using your product and it's interesting people like to use experiment in in games mm-hmm. so i think that's why it's a great platform it has a lot of money in it and, and a lot of people so that's why it's the one thing that's moving technology forward at the moment because like screens also gamers want faster you know like refresh rates on modern monitors more resolution so and now like tv tv was the one that was you know like making better screens than its cell phones and then now everyone has a cell phone screens are you know like made for cell phones and now people are starting to just play on their cell phones now then they need you know like faster refresh rates Like mm-hmm. the OnePlus 7 Pro now has 90 hertz display. It looks, even if you're not gaming on it, it looks faster. The, the phone itself looks okay. faster. So everything, you know, like involved around it is making technology move faster forward. Right. I have one, a bit of off-topic question, yeah. because yeah. there was the max information about technology I heard in many years. Yeah. It's like the compressed course of all my school knowledge of technology <laughs> combined with the university and life after. When I went to your webpage, your company's webpage, yeah. I had a basic problem. How do you read your name? And what does it actually mean? It's, it was like, a, you know, like UC in 3D, 3D no. vision. Oh, okay. UC. Okay. 3D, but you actually see 4D because you see three dimensions and time. So that's four, four dimensions. Okay. You see in four dimensions. Okay. And I, unlimited we, creations was just like we didn't want to have... Limited creations. Yeah, yeah, because we don't have want to specify that we're just doing like graphics or because we don't know where the technology is going. So, All right. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a startup? I'm not sure. You know, like I, I told, uh, I, like 10 years of background in animation and doing, uh-huh. doing this stuff. I needed to combine forces with someone who knows how to operate in in the server side of things mm-hmm. i'm doing the visuals and then i like to do the coding and mm-hmm. so unreal engine that but the business associate ville is doing the actual coding and because we need servers we want to have the game updated 
to our customers. Mm -hmm. So we, we need some kind of an interface where mm -hmm. they can, you know, register and, and log in and manage the installations and so on. Mm -hmm. So that was really needed. And then we combined our forces and that's our new company. So that we started a bit over a year ago. We have one guy that's doing the 3D modeling now. So mm -hmm. I was... Well, I was working alone, so I did everything. I did 3D modeling and and, and coding and, and, and animation. But but now I can you know like come up with new ideas. Mm -hmm. Better to focus on on uh, you know like if someone else can do likes to do 3D modeling, it's better to have someone do it, and and I, I can focus on on bringing up new ideas. Okay. Coding. Yeah. So uh, I guess I ran out of questions for today and we're a bit over time. But thank you very much for this interview. Yeah. That was an, one of the most interesting lectures on technology for me. I'll go through <laughs> yeah, it again and probably start understanding something about what you guys do there. Thank you very much for this interview. I wish you lots of cool ideas coming and good luck with your startup. And as an early stage startup, I think that the perfect place for you to go this autumn one of the perfect places will be Stream Startup Festival in October in Tampere, okay. which is targeted at early stage startups. And probably you'll meet, at least you'll get more interesting ideas from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I, I'm always in, interested in meeting new people. That's why I'm, you know, like hanging out on this Swami Arena and every place else. So thanks. So yeah, it's Drivecast Summer Tour episode Pori. Uh, my second guest for this week is Harry whom I should first of all say great thank you for replying to messages 8 in the evening. <laughs> thank you very much for having time for this interview and thank you very much for quick reply and being able to do that today. And thanks for inviting me to this. Actually, I invited you because when I saw your name in the list of participants in the Pori Future Launch, I went through your CV, or like official one, and I was fascinated how many things you did. You've been here and there, participating, learning, working, investing, being an entrepreneur. So let's start from the very beginning. Tell our listeners a few things about yourself. Yeah, maybe we start. I'm originally a crafts teacher, so I started to study theoretical physics, but finally find myself graduating as a crafts teacher. So including mathematics and, and the natural science, but crafts. And really enjoyed that work. I did that for a couple of years. So teaching crafts from kindergarten to upper secondary school, basically. But somehow, for some reason, I got more interested on research, science. There were that much interesting stuff in the world that I just had to go for research. And so I started to do my licentiate first in, in educational psychology, and then I did my PhD on complex adaptive systems. Nowadays, it would be called AI, but at that time in 2000, AI was not the allowed word. Because at the 80s, there was a AI winter, meaning that the first boom of AI was in, in 80s. And at that time, there were two big promises that couldn't be fulfilled. And so AI was not okay word to use in 2000. But so it was complex adaptive systems. Well, since that, I've been doing this and that related either education, educational psychology, complex adaptive systems or AI or data science, from academic research to being a director of education at Satakunta University of Applied Sciences, but mostly I'm startupper, doing stuff in, in games business, now in serious AI. But if I have to say at one word what I am, I'm scientist. Okay, startupper and scientist, but mostly a scientist. Still, I want to ask about the startups. 
Yeah, that's completely okay because I have found startuping way more interesting than being just researcher. And there are several factors I want to highlight why startuping and why I want to encourage every independent researcher to think to be a startupper. It's the independent stuff. I definitely enjoy talking. Like you ask yourself questions, you answer them. I can just like sit down and relax. Okay, you ask the question. Yeah, so why? That. Yeah, I mean, no, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's that's just perfect. So yeah, why? Why yeah. to do a startup? I I, I, th- I think when you are researcher, you must have your own ideas. And if you don't have, then then it is good and completely okay to be member in one team. But if you have your own interest areas, it's way more easier to think that you are building a startup rather than trying to find funding for your own idea. And especially when you are young, when you are old, like I'm now, it's way more easier to have a public funding when you have done stuff. But as a young researcher, it's quite difficult to get public funding for great ideas that might be true in in 10 to 20 years. But in the beginning, if you can think that you do business, maybe in case of science, it's more like sustainable business, but business anyway, with your ideas, and you manage to find customers and someone who is interested then it's startuping. And you don't always have to try to build a unicorn in five years. But if you can fund your big ideas and, and do it in a sustainable way, that's doable as a startupper. And in some cases, it's easier as a startupper than trying to just find public funding for ideas that nobody else had ever have. Interesting. I was more thinking that between being a science and being a startup entrepreneur, there is this, the problem is how you think or how you perceive the world in a sense that When you're a scientist, in my perspective, right? When you're a scientist, you're more following the rules and you're following the pattern. And when you're doing some research, you kind of have these stages, you know, do this, put it there, check how it works, measure. And there are like actual measurements, like normal ones, like size, strength, whatever. While while you're a startup, it's constantly like changing, constantly like instability, insecurity, stuff like that. What do you say about this? I think being a scientist means that you really have to make everything questionable. Let's take uh, Galileo Galilei, who okay. get banned from church point of view because he said uh, allowed ideas that was forbidden, like that Earth is not center of everything or like <laughs> like Earth is not flat. And, and because that was against the current state of mind and, and current understanding of the universe, right. he get banned. And, and that's science, making questionable finding arguments, and finally, well, nowadays there are still people who think that Earth is flat and Earth is center of everything, but most of the people don't think that way. So in, in that sense, I don't find any difference between startup or, or being a scientist who has some new, maybe revolutionary ideas that just have to be proven. Interesting. First of all, I should say that my finish is really bad, but I still went through the program of Future Lounge. Can you please no. tell what what's your participation in Future Lounge is about? Yeah, in, in Future Lounge, we are talking about the future of skills because of the AI, robotics, automation right. in general are going to change the landscape a lot. Or in fact, how much it changed? That's a question. Anyway, our idea is to discuss the change. Because in, at some sense, there is change, and in some sense, there is no change at all. If we once again go back to 14th and 15th century, this time we shouldn't take 
Galilei, but uh, let's take printing press machine. We are from different countries. We have different perspective on that. So let's not fight about who was the first printer. Printing press machine. I, I think in Western world, we somehow agree that it was invented in, in 1432 or 36. But Chinese think that they have invented it earlier. Let's not argue on that. But in anyway, the printing press machine took a lot of work from uh, monks. They didn't have to copy any more Bibles and religious texts. Right. But also, it enables to spread revolutionary texts, like, for example, not Earth-centric views. And because of the printing press, there was a not unemployment, but the monks could do different things. The price of the books went down, but what most, it enables to deliver information in a way that in 15-something, the new age started. So it enables a growth for evidence-based thinking, more information available for everyone. And it is part of the change. If at that time we would have argued that, okay, there is that printing press machine, what if someone uses it in a way that they deliver wrong thinking and then we have to ban printing press machine? What would have happened? And, and coming back to these days, the skills, if we now say that we should ban all the automation, AI, robotics, because somebody might lose the job. Yeah. Well, at some part of the world, someone still starts to use machines. So then those who say that we are not out of this, they are going to lose the jobs. But the positive side is that during the history of mankind, there has always been work. There has always been stuff to do. And I, I would claim that the amount of the work, amount of the jobs is quite stable, in fact. We just move towards more and more productive work. And when we invent a machine that do the routine type of work, we have always invented more productive work. Like in first industrial revolution, all the simple tasks were machine-made. And there were a lot of unemployment for 10 to 20 years, but there finally there was more and more productive jobs. And eventually the salaries went up and every worker did have more consuming power. Not necessarily talking about the money, but consuming power. Because the prices went down at some areas, there were more food, more, more clothes, and, and still enough money to do more stuff than previously. So in that sense, there is no evidence that we are going to, well, lose all the jobs to machines, because there has always been jobs. We just have to invent them. So that's, that's maybe the biggest challenge. And not losing the jobs is not the problem. The problem is the equity. Who owns everything? If there is only a couple of companies who own everything, the data, the algorithms, or finally, eventually on the countries, then we are in real trouble. But if we go, we go through this fourth industrial revolution, like open competition, transparency, and remember to keep ethical stuff in, I would say we have nothing to worry. Because when the ownership of technology is distributed, we have a control over the, let's say, the competition. So there is no monopoly for one But, but we can really do business, the entrepreneurship is okay, the open competition, then we will figure out the new jobs. There will be a lot of unemployment for next 10 to 20 years, but it is not the end of the world. There will be new jobs. And what they are, we can just guess. And that's what we are going to talk about, what they might be, what skills we should have tomorrow in order to keep us in in the competition But where will it lead in 10 to 20 years? And those are completely different things. So discussing that maybe today we have to educate programming. But is it necessary for 20 years? And what we need in 20 years? Are there going to be jobs like I'm just discussing with people because there are that much loneliness? But what are the jobs going to be and where we eventually end up? That's the, that's the big discussion. But that's completely different than what we are going to educate next year.
Right, a bit off top. Besides today's future launch, any other big events where we can see you, like soon? Like soon, like uh, like this year, like uh, tomorrow in Scouts event in Suomi Arena, and on Thursday in Teachers Union event in Suomi Arena, and in Friday in it was some medical event on Suomi Arena. So okay, Suomi so, Arena. So, so very soon, yeah. Right, right. Then I probably should also invite you to get out of Suomi Arena and join us in Tampere in October for Stream Startup Festival. Okay. Okay, we'll do that. Please do. That would be interesting. We definitely don't have too many people with your kind of background. And can I ask you like one very classical question? In your opinion, Harry, what's the key to success for an early stage startup or for a startup in general? I would say that's a good question and also a question in impossible to answer but i would say that focusing on the first paying customer is the key to success so until you have your first paying customer focus on your first paying customer and then when you have the one learn from that and focus on the second one now we have a motivation a call to action from harry to start a startup and now we know the secret how to and also we know that we should constantly learn and check what the education market is about not to be jobless and if we are jobless not to worry too much I'll keep it telling to myself next time I lose a job. But anyways, yeah, unless you, you have just have to find find out that everyone do have skills, everyone do have something to offer, but you just have to find it. What are your skills? How to make the skills somehow valuable in a, in a way that somebody wants to pay what you can do produce? Well, it's, I, I think it's a core of entrepreneurial thinking. So fascinating. Thank you very much for this interview. I don't know what about our listeners, but for me, it was really thought-provoking. I'll analyze it while doing some small editing afterwards. But anyways, thank you very much for this interview. Hope you enjoyed the today's event. And as said, we'll be glad to see you in Tampere this autumn. Yeah, thank you. Happy to be there. And now I have the people who actually helped me with 90% of organizing the interviews here. So thank you very much, my dear friends from Crazy Town Party. <laughs> It's amazing to have you here. Thank you for having time for this interview. Thank you for inviting, for having me, for letting me use your premises as a mobile studio, so to say. Let's start from the very beginning. Can I ask you both to tell a few things about yourself? Like, present yourself to our listeners, please. Hi, my name is Kati Fager, and I work here in Kreisdown for community manager, uh, here in Pori, I mean. My background is in culture, so I'm a producer, and I've worked with a lot of different events and uh, associations and and uh, different uh, city culture uh, organizations and and so and uh, well networks and and games has been the last thing that I've grabbed on the last few years and uh, now I'm working for Crazy Town and also for Pori City in a project. Yes, my name is Petrina and I'm also community manager in here in Crazy Town and my background is in university. I have worked in there and I'm in partly and what I do there I do ICT things including artificial intelligence and many many kind of open data things and, and so on and, and try to uh, transfer this kind of uh, information to here in, in what we are doing in here in Crazy Town because there are all uh, in here in Crazy Town includes many many companies w- which are working in ICT sector but are many other uh, sector which needs ICT skills and, and yes that's me something happens to me I know that Crazy Town Four is quite young Is it true? Is it like the youngest of the crazy town community? Or Yeah. We started in the beginning of this year, 2019, yeah. and uh, we 
both came aboard uh, January, February. So, so that's that's how. And uh, well, we also have like uh, Helsinki We Plus community, but that's like a bit not only Crazy Town, but uh, operated by Crazy Town. So. Is there anything specific about Crazy Town Pori in a sense of what kind of companies you have here? Maybe like difference in, in terms of their businesses or they are more international than elsewhere or something like that? I think the main topics here are artificial intelligence and uh, robotics. And uh, so far we have uh, two or three companies who are very uh, deep level focused on artificial intelligence. And let's see what we can Get other uh, other companies who are uh, more focused on other other sectors like robotics, but but, but we have uh, meetings here and and many kind of topics here which are focused on robotics and artificial intelligence. So they are our main focus areas here. But yeah. we are doing many others too. But yeah, yeah, we have uh, companies who are from very different areas, like from healthcare and from ICT and and communications and, and such. If you know the number, can you say how many companies are using Crazy Town now within the community? Uh, in Paris there is now 14 companies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Around uh, 30 oh. people. Right. Yeah. M- maybe more, but yeah. Yeah, maybe, actually yeah. now maybe more, yeah. True that. Yeah. Quite a community. Um, and how many of those companies are startups or are they all like traditional businesses? We have two companies that have like uh, last year founded, this year or last year founded, so they are really new. And then maybe, how do you define startup? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how do you define that? But uh, I think that the, the kind of growing companies, there's at least four five mm. i think yeah. and uh on top of the two so i think half is like half, startups half is yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but still how do you define a startup since you work in the sphere of business and startups <laughs> of community yeah. yeah you have to have some definition mm. from your perspective uh, i don't know uh, it's yeah well i ma- listened ma- to your podcast with timo lahti from project <laughs> house and maybe i can i hope i remember what he said <laughs> yeah well a new company well, mm. that's a startup maybe, but uh, also uh, the kind of a growing kind of one that wants to grow. And also some people maybe give the startup definition to a company that is old but is taking on a new branch or new development thing. So, yeah, so it's and, kind of And a, maybe yeah. how keen they are to do things. I mean, they are very... Yeah, the attitude. Attitude, yeah. So, like, old company can also be very, like, startup-like. And then, yeah. again, a new company isn't startup-like if it's, like, very old-fashioned or something. And for our listeners, I may remind that the interview with Timo Lachtik I heard in episode 15. And also there is a special edition of episode 15 where it's only Crazy Town interview. Crazy Town Tampere, I mean, and... Actually, yeah, thanks to Timo if he's listening because he was one of my connection, one of my biggest connections during Tribecast Summer Tour. And when we started talking about Tribecast Summer Tour Pori episode with Kati, I was immediately invited to visit during this week, specifically because you have an event called Crazy Town Future Lounge. Do I, do I give you a character? Yeah. Uh, could you please tell our listeners what the event is about? We kind of already got that it's a bit about robotics and electronics and IE and stuff like that, but... 
more specifically? Well, as you probably know, the in, in Pori, in this week, there's so much happening because we have Suomi Arena this week and we have Pori Jazz. So there's a lot of different organizations also doing their kind of own shade events and, and so. So we wanted to start our own as well. Well, our future launch is from Monday to Thursday, from uh, 3 to 5. So we have some uh, discussions and networking and uh, like hang, hanging out with people. We have every day a different host. So on Monday we had Edination. They were uh, talking about how to get mm. yeah international like workforce to Finland mm. or students to Finland, and uh, how to make it easier, and how to get like companies to kind of understand that what's the benefit in having international know-how in Finland. And how to get the students stay here and yeah. not not just uh, study here, but how to stay here. Yeah, yeah. Today is Tuesday and we are having Hedai as our host and uh, they are talking about AI and upskilling, so how uh, artificial intelligence can help to, uh, to really get a grip on our future and our educational future in, in Finland and, and so. Some description of this presentation was already given to me by Harry. Yeah. 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 And on Wednesday, we'll have robotics as a team. The headline is like how robotics can have a positive impact for society, business and education. And it's really nice. We have uh, international guests here also on the robotics team. And so it's it's really interesting as well. And Thursday is our own day. So it's uh, hosted by Crazy Town and uh, it's about a uh, new work and how different projects can be meaningful and all kind of a future of work I would say the theme so yeah we had the first one and and it was really nice I think people enjoyed it a lot and I hope the week will be the same Right. Uh, so, is it the first time the future launches? Yeah, mm. yeah. Then good luck with that. Yeah. I hope it goes well. And we have had mm. some practice with IGDA and and Hedai and different visitors coming to Pori on Suomi Arena week. So we had had some practice on <laughs> on you know uh, getting these events here. Right. Since you mentioned it, I know that you have been one of the founders of IGDA. Can you please? Tell a few things about this project. IGDA is an international game developers association, and it's actually based in US, and it's a global organization. So there's a lot of IGDA chapters around the world, and in Finland, it's very active. We have this Finnish chapter of IGDA here, and it's already been I don't know for how many years it has been already and it's uh, based in Helsinki but it spread around a lot for different hubs Mm -hmm. and uh, I was a founder for uh, IGDA hub uh, here in Satakunta in Pori and we've been around since 2016 Mm -hmm. and uh, well it's a network for game developers and all hobbyists who are interested in in doing games and and, uh, students and, and so it's kind of classical question, but still, in your opinion, what's specific about Pori or Satakunta business ecosystem compared to other parts of Finland? Or maybe to the universe? What's special about guys you here? Maybe here is more robotic sectors, companies, and maybe also these artificial intelligence-focused companies. But I don't know if you compare our companies other areas. I don't, <laughs> I don't know exactly 
what kind of companies are from example in in Tampere or something but yeah i think the robotics and automation sector is very strong here and mm. well we have traditional like industrial sectors a lot i think we probably had some rough times already in the 80s and 90s so we have already like gone through some uh, structural changes here before so i think there's also a lot of new companies mm here and kind of young startup companies also that's kind of developed for uh, bigger bigger ones already still i mean like opening crazy town is kind of a sign for me that crazy town premises is kind of a sign for me that the region or the city is active uh, business-like that there are startups and stuff so why do you think there was this decision to have crazy town in Pori as well Well, city of Pori, I have been very interested about what we are doing here. So they are keeping here in, for example, today, uh, city of Pori will keep some uh, meeting here. Well, there are many, many things that we we have noticed that they they like this idea. So Yeah, and I think we had some like key companies that uh, wanted to get involved with Crazy Town and, and to build a community here. So I think that's one uh, essential factor and also the support from from Pori City and the development company Britstech and and so so we have like a lot of forces behind us also mm. like supporting. Do you feel like most companies who start here in Pori prefer to stay local and grow here? Well, I really try to push the companies when we do contracts here we, I, I try to push them to visit Tampere and Helsinki and so on so they can find other companies and try to do business with them so I don't know is it I am pushing them away here or I am trying to grow them here or I, I don't know but I try to grow somehow yeah and I think uh, many of them have like international perspective as well But I also think that they have a pretty. They are keen in staying here as well, so they mm. kind of feel that Pori is a good-sized place to be, and and it's a good place to combine your work life and family life. So I think going international is also like staying here, but still doing business internationally, and, and mm. so. Thank you very much for the interview and your hospitality, Kati and Petri. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And we continue with Pori episode of Tribecast Summer Tour. And our last but not least guest for this week is Harry Sominen. That's correct. Thank you so much for inviting me. So happy to be here. So my name is Harry. I actually come from Tampere, but my father is from Pori. So that's my <laughs> close link to this great city. And uh, yeah, I work as an uh, educational entrepreneur. And uh, basically, I went to study abroad in China 2005. And that's where we got, with my good friend, uh, idea to start to send students to study in Asia. So that's uh, when we came up with our first company called Asia Exchange back in 2007. And after that, we have established a couple of more companies in education. Right. And now you work in a startup called Edunation. That's correct. And the birth story for Edunation is basically that when it was 10-year anniversary for our first baby, which was this Asia Exchange company, this mighty eagle called Peter Westerpakka, known from Angry Birds. So uh, he saw this uh, newspaper, Aamulehti. There was a story about us, and he said that, hey, let's do the same that you have been doing 10 years, but uh, let's change the stream to Finland. 
to get international students to study in Finland. So he said he had tried to do that with our government, but it was a little bit sticky, so he wanted to have a startup to do it. Right. So we figured out that you consider yourself a startup. Why? Startup. Well, it's a mindset. And I would say that my first company, Asia Exchange, is still more a startup than a corporation. It's not only about the size of the company, but it is the way how you're thinking and how cooperative you are, how lean you want to be. That's that's uh, being like a real entrepreneur who wants to make results, not only because of making your living, but you want to make an impact. So that's one of the justification I call myself uh, Startup or forever, I would say. Do you think that actually you can teach, not you personally, but in general, it's possible to teach someone how to do a startup since you're educational person? And- well, of course, you can work and be as an example. And I haven't met any entrepreneur who wouldn't like to share his or her story. The mistakes, the bottlenecks, the success stories... So uh, that's something that everybody wants to share. And I think those real-life examples are something that teach you the most. Speaking of teaching and education, in your opinion, and it's bad for me to ask that question because I kind of know the answer from my own perspective, (laughs) but still, why to come to Finland if you're an international student? Well, um, of course, as a Finn, we Finn quite often say, okay, why are you coming to Finland? Why on earth you are coming here? (laughs) Well, uh, you just need to look on these many rankings in many different areas of life that Finland is performing very well and uh, we have a great education we are the happiest country in the world do you believe in it yeah well of course it's about what is happiness but that's I guess a different subject to talk about but uh, overall the life quality is very good in Finland and uh, we have uh, great universities here I don't mean that they all would be in the high ranked QS ranking or whatever they are top 100 But basically, they can teach most of the skills that every any student would need. And I would like to see Finland more international as well. So that's one of the ambitions why we are doing what we are doing now. And Finland is also, well, we are one of the best English-speaking countries as well. And that's something that many people doesn't realize. So we really need to put Finland to the map first. Because not people, they are not waking up this morning and thinking, hey, I want to go to study in Finland. Somebody needs to tell this first. Just trying to think if it was the same thing for me. Personal story. Can you name the partners you work with, like universities and educational organizations you work with? Sure. So, of course, you need to be very cooperative. It is in private sector, but also in public sector. So we everybody should have the same goal, same targets. We are at the moment working together with 11 Finnish is universities or University of Applied Sciences. Mm -hmm. So it is kind of one third of the universities that we have in Finland at the moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe in the future it will be more, but at the moment we need to focus with something, you know, limited amount of partners. In the future we want to see all the Finnish cities and universities getting more international. At the moment it is on average 7% international students at our universities, and it should be definitely much more. About your company, in a sense of what you actually do, do you only promote the education in Finland? Do you help the international students to find a specific program for them? How much help can the international student get? Well, of course, uh, the students are our main focus, and uh, we really want to make the overall experience, the user experience, I would say, uh, exceptionally good. So it starts everything from applying, and then getting this help already during uh, before you are entering to Finland, 
Finland. And then when you are here, and then how you are merging together and uh, interacting with the local students and companies and societies, there's lots of uh, room to, for improvement in that. And what happens after you are getting your degree, then how to enter to the work life. So that's something, a big question we need to solve. And especially in a little bit smaller cities in Finland where companies, organizations are not that used yet to have like international talent but they really should open their eyes if they want to work globally if they want to have international partners and customers they need to have international workforce as well so what happens after the students graduate do you connect them with companies or will you better stimulate them to have their own business or their own startup it's a very good question i think we should do both we should encourage and uh, showcase them uh, like slash and uh, these startup societies that we have in in Tampere in Pori in Helsinki even in Turku and, and uh, many other cities Yeah, uh, why not becoming an entrepreneur? Why not trying uh, running a company already during your studies? And once you graduate, maybe you already have a workplace to run because of your company. Or then you have a real life experience which stands out in your CV and maybe some bigger company wants to hire you. So both of these options are there. And at the moment with Education, we are also with our partners generating this program called a Guaranteed Job Program, mm. where actually people who are coming to Finland, we are introducing them to the work life, not only to the studies from the beginning, mm-hmm. train them how to really apply for a job in Finland, and also train uh, the companies why they should hire first an intern from the international students and then at the end also hire them as an employees. So do I get it right that your basic idea that hiring an international intern or international student to work for you is about whether you want to go to the market abroad or is there any other reason to get an international to a team? It's not the only only reason like why to hire an inter- international talent because it's also it helps you with the domestic markets as well and it doesn't mean that your company needs to go necessarily abroad because foreigners are also coming to Finland and if you want to interact with them it's good if you have some knowledge of their culture of their mindset of their languages it is a global world we need to admit that and Finland is not an isolated island we actually how Peter Westerbacher says it we are the heart of your Asia and that stands out I didn't know it before that the shortest flight from Delhi from India to Europe is to Helsinki. We are the closest neighbor. The same goes for Beijing, same goes for South Korea and Japan. So we are there in the heart of everything. All right. It's kind of a bad question, but still, do you think that to find a job, even after you graduated and finished university, you need to speak fluent Finnish? No, I wouldn't say. Of course, it doesn't harm you to speak some Finnish, and it doesn't matter where you are. In Anywhere in the world, it's also polite to know some basics of the local language. I guess it's also cool to know this kind of secret code language called Finnish, because not too many people in the world speak that. But uh, to be serious... Um, I think we should be able to cope dealing also uh, in English in Finland in the future more. I don't mean that we should uh, forget Finnish language is a great language, of course. We need to admit that we cannot request the rest of the world speaking Finnish language. I know that Edunation has their own track, so to say, during future launch in Crazy mm-hmm. Town. That's like last question. Mm-hmm. Can you tell a few things about that? Yeah, well, first of all, I think uh, the learning and teaching shouldn't happen only inside the university walls. It can, and it it happens so much also in a 
co-working spaces, at the companies. So all these kind of things, we need to enlarge uh, the way of thinking about the learning. And it's lifelong learning and it happens more and more also independent of, uh, of the facilities. So I think there's so much from uh, like academia also to learn from uh, co-working spaces and uh, like crazy town, these kind of places and cooperate more. And that's, we are very happy to do that and take students also here and make some projects with the companies here and that kind of stuff. Real life examples, yeah. So basically during your section on the future launch, you just give people some real life examples. Well, we try to kind of uh, make people to realize how to pursue the dreams and how to make them like a real life. And uh, yesterday we had an event here and we were talking about how the international talent can solve the problems that we are facing in Finland. So even though we are named as the happiest country in the world, we are not making enough babies. So <laughs> we really need to have more people uh, to Finland and I think the best way to do that is during your study years so you are able to you know go out find your significant other your friendships and uh, you know that stuff that uh, then you are ready to uh, step to the work life and you feel yourself more part of the society that's an interesting concept thank you very much for this interview Harry I know that you're running for a train now and probably I should also pack up for mine but that was it for the Pori episode of Tribecast and again thank you very much for the interview thank you very much and this was Tribecast Summer Tour, Pori episode, and my name is Marina. I already have an idea what happens in the next episode of Tribecast, but you will learn it only next week. For now, have a cool weekend and stay warm and tuned. Tribecast.